The Florida Gators are getting hot on the recruiting trail, and we're going to bring John Garcia in to talk with us about that. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Locked On's recruiting insider. And John, we're getting right into it because it is recruiting season. Florida's hot on the trail. And we have to talk about this where Florida has two running back commits. And um, apparently what another one, which, which is great because, you know, even if you get a third commit for this year, you average two on the year for the past two seasons. So we, we can go with that approach. But yeah, another running back attempting for Florida. Yeah, well, look, this it's it's recruiting, right? It's fluid. Every fan base deals with uh, the question marks around one: how many do you take per position, and two: how much insurance is sort of built up thereafter. Uh, and I think that overlaps, obviously, with the running back situation in particular, right? Uh, this is a potentially expansive running back board this class is also looking better at the position here as as time goes on the guys we thought were kind of alone at the top a year ago in 24 are now crowded they're, they're looking around it's it's a, it's a big blue chip running back uh, class in 2024 so a program like florida that has already shown the propensity to prioritize the run with multiple backs successfully is going to have a bit of a higher ceiling in its pursuit, obviously, it started early with with Bowens jumping on board in state, as as his stock sort of blew up thereafter, uh, and then of course Daniels jumping in from Mississippi. But there's there's Floridians that are still involved with the Gators. Stacy Gage is one that, my goodness, uh, since his freshman year, we were hearing about. Right, hey, IMG's getting this back. That's going to be this big time player, and and he's really lived up to it uh, when when he's on the field. He's bounced around a little bit, a couple different high schools. But now he's down at, at St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, probably ahead of another state championship ring. And his recruitment is still very much wide open. I think this one has changed over the course of the last year or so uh, as he's moved around a little bit. Uh, like I said, everyone's running back board has shifted and it's affected Gage's status. I think with certain schools early on, it was like Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, and of those three, um, I think Oklahoma is the only one still really pushing because Ohio State has two backs committed. Other schools have sort of uh, made some moves here. So it's reverted back to the Sooners, which is the school he calls home. They're going to stay in it until the end, in my opinion. And then the in-state schools have kind of come back around on, on Gage uh, with Florida and Miami being being two of, of the primary contenders there. So, of course, he was – in Gainesville for the spring game and had a lot of good things to say. Look, if you go to IMG and St. Thomas, competition is not an issue for you. So that's something as a potential third back, he's not going to view as a negative with, with a school like Florida, which is important, right? Because when you're bringing in guys that are extremely coveted and productive like Bowens and Daniels, if you're going to grab a third, he, he's got to be, be really comfortable with who he is or who he thinks he is as a player. So I think in that regard, Gage, uh, of course, uh, also geographically as, as a Florida native would make a lot of sense for the Gators. But I think there's some insurance at play too. We've talked a lot, Brandon, about how coveted Bowens is. And, and we thought it was sort of just 
Ohio State, Georgia, a sprinkle of Alabama, but then he showed up on Tennessee's campus. I heard a rumor that Miami was trying to get him to, to make the semi-local visit as well. So this is something that is is something you got to just pay attention to as, as a Gator fan and certainly as a, a coach on that staff. So Stacey Gage becomes maybe a little bit more important than he would present as a third back. And, and ditto for Rod Ganey, another in-stater, Tampa native, uh, even even with more ties to the program, but a different back than Gage, right? You know, Gage, big, powerful downhill in between the tackles, uh, Churner, workhorse type. And I think Ganey's got a little bit more space value. Uh, he could play the slot. He could be your change of pace, all-purpose back from a traditional sense. So you understand Florida continuing to potentially leave that door open because of its class and because of its its two-headed monster on the current roster, which can always create movement. And, you know, there's no reason to believe that Johnson would be on the roster in 24. Um, and, and who knows what happens with, with ETN, whose stock is, is seemingly only going up uh, simultaneously. So it's something you have to sort of keep uh, keep fluid, as, as college football has suggested. Yeah, uh, if Chauncey Bowens goes to Miami um... – I, I'm not. I'm not projected that. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're projecting, but if it happens, um, I am going to do everything I can to get Dono fired. <laughs> that's, that's that's my goal. And Dono will first. pay. Dono will pay for the sins of the Miami Hurricanes. But for Stacey Gage and Rod Ganey, how would they kind of play complementary back to Chauncey Bowens and Daniels? Because Look, Florida is going to use multiple running backs. Like you mentioned, two-headed monster right now. Montreal, no, like you said, no purpose. He should be on the roster in 2024. Trevor Etienne, no purpose. He should be on the roster in 2025. So with all these new backs coming in, how would Stacey Gage, Rod Ganey compliment Chauncey Bowens, Daniels, and even Treyon Webb? Yeah, let's not forget about him. I think he had the most carries uh, in the spring game itself. Look, um, I think what's interesting about the the Gator one-two punch right now that we see Johnson and Etienne, it's not it's not about variance. It's just about these are two alphas, and they're both they're similar to me. And let's get them both carries. It's not really a stylistic difference between those two. So I do think that there's a bit of a need, and and Trayon Webb is closer to that mold than than the all-purpose type as well. I think there's a bit of a need for a three down back type. Now I think Bowens is probably among the two current commits, the most capable um, and, and both Ganey and Gage are comfortable operating out of the backfield as well. So I do think there's somewhat of a need or it's almost an unknown with, with the current guys uh, just how effective and increasingly effective they could be in that element. But in terms of stylistically and body type, yeah, Ganey's, you know, your small scat back type, everyone else is sort of built like a conventional SEC running back of, you know, the early 2000s, which, again, Florida has literally shown is OK. You don't have to have that true stylistic opposite in, in the backfield to to be a compliment. It could just be two conventional, productive, high floor backs. Uh, and I think that's kind of the formula that this coaching staff wants to operate with going forward. So if you do take a third back, it could really go either way. It could go, hey, let's gauge is more in the mold of, of what Florida has been successful with. And Ganey is, is the opposite of that. So if you do want variance, I think he would be, he would probably be the pick. And I think there's probably a little bit more traction with with Ganey than Gage just relative to Florida. I think if Florida was to push for each, I think Ganey would probably be quicker to jump on the boat. There's a sense that Gage is going to take longer 
in his recruitment. He's talking about official visits during the season as well. So I think his recruitment can push closer to uh, the winter months and signing day compared to Ganey, who I think is getting closer to, to beginning to, to narrow this thing down for good. Yeah, uh, Florida fans, myself included, like to use like thunder and lightning for Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, but they're literally both just home run hitters. Right. Nonstop. The, it, it's it's ridiculous. Hey, hey, you something exciting is coming to built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real and it's something that you 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 won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. But don't 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 just just know I'm just telling you this. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. I'm stoked for it, but make sure to use promo code locked on 15 and you'll get 15% off your order with built or builtbar.com. Flipping to the defensive side of the ball. Another linebacker for the Florida Gators, who of course, Miles Graham, Adarius Hayes. And today we're going to talk about Chris Jones, but just even before that, just just another linebacker in a class where 2023, Florida brought in one linebacker in the high school class. Again, averaging two assuming they get another one for the 2024 class yeah this is a bit different to me i think this is more about hey if there's a great player that wants in and continues to push and show interest on his end you've got to acknowledge it and i think again stylistically chris jones plays similar to darius hayes in my opinion he's he's aggressive he can work on the edge he's comfortable at the second level off the ball as well um, but he's also a great blitzer, so there's a little bit of Graham in there too. So you really can't have enough guys who fit some type of third down role uh, to where Jones could be a pass rusher or potentially contend underneath uh, as a zone coverage supporter. So that's something that's extremely coveted coast to coast, and that's why Florida's in it with Georgia and Ohio State and some some really you know blue blooded programs for the Jones recruitment. But he continues to say the right things about the Gators. He loved that sample uh, during the spring game he's built a quick relationship with uh, austin armstrong as well so this is something that i think is it's one of the maybe surprises of the late spring for florida to where you know you wouldn't optically say hey this kid from stafford virginia is going to take a trip and, and kind of jump right into florida being a true contender for his recruitment Uh, but that's kind of what's happened uh, with the with the case of Chris Jones. So I think it, it, on defense, it's a little different, right? Volume is a little bit more important to me than stylistic differences um, because you, you just need bodies. I mean, you need a ro- you rotate more on defense typically. Um, so, so those guys are, are also able to hit the ground running a little bit sooner. So those polished prospects that already have, you know, that expectation of, of being a blue chipper and carrying that right into their their college career i mean those have uh, even more value earlier um in the cycle itself and anytime a coaching staff is going to link you to a, a player that we think is this star in the making and they're talking shamar james comps with with chris jones it's just something that you have to understand is, is going to be a big deal because i don't think i don't think coaching staffs play the comparison game as much as we do certainly so when they do it uh, especially with a current gator I do think that there's there's an angle there and, and there's a reason why as a recruit, you're like, oh, that's great to hear. I appreciate it. You know, so that the rise of Florida, when you dig into it, starts to make a little bit more sense with Jones, regardless of 
who's already committed. Yeah, uh, comparing him to a current Gator that has also like been demolishing spring and they've been very public about it is is definitely great. But just talking from a recruiting perspective, if you were Chris Jones and you watched that spring game, which we know not a ton of points scored, was wasn't great, ten to seven, but you saw a defense that was just aggressive, creative, physical, attacking. Every word you can use to describe Austin Armstrong's defense. How do you kind of feel about that when you're obviously you're not Chris Jones, but just conceptually, how do you kind of feel about that if you are Chris Jones, where you go, okay, like this defense just was wrecking this offense the entire night. Right. And and Chris works best coming downhill, you know, whether it's as a blitzer or as a, a stand-up edge, which he shows a lot on Friday nights as well. So yeah, you understand why something like that is going to be even extra appealing compared to maybe some other schemes that he's working with or considering in his recruitment. And again, as we said, leading up to to the spring game itself, it's just different when you see it in person. It's different when you hear Armstrong barking out the signals and the linebackers checking at the line of scrimmage and then the execution thereafter. It's just different than what a practice can simulate. Just like when we get to the season, that is different than any practice or spring game can simulate. You know, So there's kind of layers to it. But for this time of year, that's about as good as it gets, especially for defensive recruits. Because as we all know, the defenses are always a little bit of a, uh, ahead of the offense, even when it's a new situation like, like it is for, for Armstrong with, with the Florida Gators. So it's just easier to see than implementing a whole new offense and saying, hey, these are some of the things we want to do, but it doesn't quite look right. Defensively, it's going to look right a little bit sooner uh, than trying to you know, put in a brand new offense. So I think in, in those regards, it's just easier to sell to a recruit who, who's kind of been there and done that. And I think that's why Jones and this Florida thing has started to bubble up. I've, I've heard without looking for it, I've heard real traction with Jones and the Gators. And, and again, you talk about optics. It'd be a heck of a win to, to go head to head with Georgia and Ohio State. You know, you, you've, you've done it thus far for Bowens on offense. So to do so on defense for a guy like Chris Jones, I think would be a, a pretty big deal. Yeah, um, doing, doing it on the defensive side of the ball with Austin Armstrong being in here and, and just everything he's been bringing to the table. If you're a Florida Gators fan, how would you feel about that recruitment right now for Chris Jones? Certainly better as, as time goes on here. Um, I, I don't know if he's dead set on a preseason decision. That is the most popular window right now that kids are talking about. Um, so you feel good about the chances of grabbing an official visit and and continuing to stay right in the thick of this thing. Because really what was what Florida was behind with with Jones was the development or the relationship, I should say, with Armstrong and kind of viewing it um, interpersonally, which he's now done, and then the visits. I mean, those are really the two. And geography was probably the main reason why, why those were the two elements that Florida had to begin to make up ground with. And they've checked both boxes with one visit. So if you get another official visit out of it, closer to that decision making window, I think you got to feel even better about it from Florida's perspective. So this is one that I think Florida is, is starting to make up ground for maybe quicker than than most prospects that are on the board, especially when you talk about out-of-state recruits. Third segment of the day. Third, another of the day with Marquavius Sabor. Florida's got him on campus. Just what what kind of player is he where Florida is? Not, not even averaging two safeties per cycle now. They'd be averaging like 47 with him. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's interesting. You know, a big two-way threat, really good wide receiver prospect uh, that that I've seen in person. But he's really, as a defender with his combination of playmaking ability and instincts, he's been a big stock-up guy. So whereas, you know, Jones and Gage and these guys have been recruits for several years, I think Sabor's stock is, is continually rising to where he's adding offers you know, by the week. Uh, and I think Florida even offered uh, in January or February. So he's one that is is still very much new to this part of the process. Um, a lot of schools are starting to jump in that race. So I think he's going to try to continue to take trips and explore. But he was at Florida, I think, Monday and, and came out of the trip really high on the Gators, uh, already talking about an official visit, which is sort of the next box to check uh, just from a traditional timeline standpoint because when you're when you're an ascending recruit you do one of two things you jump on one of the offers pretty quickly because you've been waiting on it or you allow the full blow up to go through and, and you get to the bulk of the off season which is those june official visits and then you really start to narrow things down but yeah i mean programs you know like like clemson and ohio state miami a lot of schools are, are getting involved here for uh for support old miss uh, as well so this one is a true uh, expanding recruitment. So good for Florida to get that quick unofficial, maintain that interest and, and kind of see where it goes from there. But uh, no doubt the Florida's helped themselves uh, since offering. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about Florida recruiting and it's been, you know, another running back because you've got two, another linebacker because you got two, another safety because you have two. But what do you think of Florida's approach here of saying, yeah, we're just completely blitzkrieging these, uh, <laughs> these positions this year? Yeah, I think particularly on defense with with Jones and Sabor, they've got some versatility in their games. And I think with Sabor, he could be this traditional safety, the, maybe the aggressive type, a trading type. But I think he's got the frame to continue to bulk up and expand to, to a nickel type role. So getting closer to maybe Amari Bernie territory, right? A true hybrid um, that, that really just operates well in the middle of the field, whether he's close to the line of scrimmage or not. Um, and, and you really can't have enough of that, you know, and I think he's different stylistically than some of the other DBs that are either on board or, or Florida's after at this point, thinking of like a Jordan pride. I mean, that's a classic free safety center fielder length range ball skills, all of those things, kind of the opposite of what you say with, with Sabor. So in that regard, it would work stylistically from Florida's perspective and, and ditto with Jones. You know, he's a guy who we talked about as a pass rusher, as a true second level player on the edge. But no doubt comfortable, you know, working off ball, kind of like we talk about with the Darius Hayes as a traditional linebacker. So I think volume, again, on defense is something that you can never really have enough of. I mean, look at Florida's D-line hall from 23, um, the DB hall as well, right? Just massive numbers because you, you've got to find fits. And unfortunately, you're just dealing with more fluidity than you ever have in college football. I think that's always important to bring up whether you're talking really any position, you know, from quarterback all the way on down. Uh, I mean, we're seeing kickers in the portal, right? I mean, so this thing is, it's fluid everywhere um, in this day and age. Uh, starters are entering the portal once again, you know, not something maybe I anticipated in the spring. I thought it'd be the backups who lost those battles, but we're seeing starters entering the portal and, and getting some traction. So I just think the fluidity is just at an apex right now. Uh, and, and you've got to bring in as much volume and versatility and, and defensively, these guys would, would satisfy uh, those pursuits. And, and I think it's something you should expect even more of going forward from Florida and most schools. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more in depth about this another day, but I did want to quickly ask you just your thoughts on how, I guess we'll say how recruiting is 
changed lately with, because I'm just thinking about it now with, I mean, portals bigger than ever. You've got the official visit change now where you've got that restriction lift, but you've also got, you know, scholarship limits are going to be coming back. So just, just how is, how impossible is it to just consistently recruit successfully with all of these changes going on? Yeah. I had a college coach message me when the official visit rule came out. I was like, man, this is probably the last straw for me. Like I'm, I'm going to grab a job in the league and kind of sit tight for the rest of my days. Cause yeah, it, it is, it was already a nightmare. Uh, for these college coaches, not not to, you know, pat them on the back. You know, they're millionaires in, in some cases, but or, or high level thousandaires, worst case. Um, but, yeah, it, it really is kind of a mess. Um, th- there's going to be a recruit probably from the state of Florida, let's be honest, who's going to take 10 officials. Right. Because you can. Um, and, and it's going to be, you know, a college game day type tour. And I, and I wouldn't blame the recruit. Right. So the programs now, because that number hasn't changed for them. Now they have to be even more diligent about who they fly out to campus. Um, And that's something that I think as a principal or in principle will extend these decisions, right? If you are on the fence about committing preseason, but you know, during the season, you can take five more trips to and, and coincide those trips with some big time games probably lean that way. Right. So uh, I think there's going to be more flips, more decommitments and, and later initial decisions simultaneously with with this official visit rule because now logistics and just the means of the player's family or his inner circle it just don't matter anymore and that was such a big detractor from schools trying to recruit from far away so imagine you know uh prospects in in florida texas georgia california etc getting up to you know the big 10 schools and vice versa you know now you know if you're florida you can go into Michigan with a little bit more gusto and say, hey, this is a state that's producing a little bit more uh, elite prospects than, than we're used to. Let's bring in a couple of these kids for visits because now it's it's just something that is more possible because it's not just the true contenders that a kid's going to go see. It's it's kind of everyone if he wants to. And I think that's going to be encouraged. So, yeah, recruiting's uh, somehow going to get even crazier and, and the programs are going to feel it uh, more so than the kids who should take advantage of the new rules. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's way in the future and we're not going to talk too much about it, but 2025 Florida offered this week, I think it was two Michigan kids, uh, yep. the QB and someone from Cast Tech, which I mean, I, I know what Cast Tech is. So I feel like most people probably understand Cast Tech as a high school program itself. But thank you so much, John. This is John Garcia, Locked On's Recruiting Insider. Catch him all throughout the Locked On College channel and every week on Lockdown Gators.